Radio. Listen to Daydio. Dangerous podcast. It's the elite. Lave Radio. So much to say, Dio. This side of Diso. We're loving the heat. I hope someone knows what we're talking about. They mean disco. Lave Radio. It's here to say, Dio. Orange Sidewinder. This is your crew. Lave Radio. Hey, 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 Dio. It's second technician. Forest of Two. It's come. It's a podcast that's based on a game. Not to listen would be such a shame. It makes other stations sound very lame. That's Lave Radio. Ooh, swing your pants. No, no, Simon, we're not them. We're pink custard. We cut the mustard. We're never flustered. We can't be trusted. Lave Radio, this song's for you. For the Orange Sidewinder crew. Elite Dangerous is what you do. And then you talk a lot about it too. Lave Radio, ready to play Dio. Search for their website and off you go. Lave Radio, nothing to pay Dio. Sci-fi gamer, DJ fans, this is your show. Oh, it's a niche audience then. This is Radio Online called Lave. With DJs Chris is Alan John, but not Dave. Forever surfing internet airwaves. That's Lave Radio. It's a podcast that's based on a game. Not to listen would be such a shame. It makes other stations sound very lame. That's Lave Radio. Lave Radio. No, but it's not live radio. Oh, well, it, it, I don't know whether it's live or... or li- live, l- live, 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 live radio, live, and we love it. Greetings and salutations, Commanders. Welcome to episode 73, part one of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host for the festivities, second technician, Fozza Forrester, or Scum, as I've just been called, uh, by our superfans Trevor and Simon, famously from 1990s hit Saturday morning TV show, Going Live. Joining us in the Orange Sidewinder for this episode, I'm delighted to introduce Chief of Operations here at Lave Station, Mr. John Stabler. Good evening. And Head of Station Entertainment's Mr. Christopher Jarvis. Hello! <laughs> head of Writing Show Notes, I mean Head of Health and Safety, Mr. Ben Moss-Woodward. I think I've just been a little bit sick. <laughs> and finally, the hostess with the mostess, Chief Bar Steward here at Lave Station, Mr. Grant psycho Wolcott. That was awesome! <laughs> Hello. Wasn't it though? Wasn't it though? Six-year-old me just high-fived my future self. <laughs> really? Because I'm not even sure a six-year-old me would have been listening to that song, even though it's got my name in it, thinking, this is awesome. I'm not sure if he would have just been cringing and hiding underneath the sofa. No, 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 because, like, you know, I've, I've, spent, I've spent a lifetime trying to justify my Trevor and Simon VHS video to a string of partners who've never understood why it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and yeah. after listening to that, they still don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just gutted that my Trevor and Simon stupid video is still on VHS. I need to find some way of doing a uh, DVD transfer or something. Oh dear. Well, if you wish, you can join us live. We're hanging outside Labour Station in game in the open group. Uh, if you want to send us a message in game, we will try and pick it up. Also, we have got the IRC chat channel. If you want to access that, you can at laveradio.com forward slash live. Okay, so folks, so great start. Okay, so folks, it's been a big day for Elite Dangerous, so we have decided to do something slightly different for tonight's show. Uh, we obviously have lots to say regarding Frontier's big announcement at Gamescom, and we appreciate that listeners are eager to hear all about it, so we decided to give you guys a uh, TLDNR, a too-long-did-not-listen-read thing, version of the show, which we're going to cover at the main <laughs> news... I'll say too-too-long-do-not-resuscitate. <laughs> Yeah, I should have maybe changed that to uh, too long, did not listen. But uh, yeah, so we're going to cover the main news of the day in part one and the rest of the normal content, including dev updates, newsletters and all that jazz in part two, which will be available in a separate podcast. Uh, you folks listening live? Yeah, well, sorry, we may up- end up confusing the fuck out of you before tonight is through. So uh, before we get on your way, let's go to Mr. Silvertongue himself, Mr. Jarvis, to take us through David Braben's press release. Oh, yeah, you want me to read this thing, don't you? Uh, where was it? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Is it? Okay. Uh, so, David Raven said, I've been fascinated by the exploration of space since I was young, and especially with the almost unimaginable scales involved. Going down to the surfaces of planets was a key part of my dreams of exploration, and will soon realise that dream in Elite Dangerous. We're beginning with airless, rocky worlds, places with a great deal of new gameplay can take place. These are planet-sized sandbox environments with all sorts of things to discover hidden on them. You'll find starports, crash ships, mineral deposits, hidden bases, and more. The worlds are gigantic, and like the open galaxy, you'll be able to go anywhere. You'll be able to fly over the surfaces in low orbit and choose your spot to land. You'll be able to venture out in your surface recon vehicle and hurtle across at the surface at high speed. You'll be able to sneak around or go in all guns blazing. The nimble SRV is tiny compared to your ship and is virtually invisible on a long-range scanner. Ship-based weapons will find it very hard to hold a lock on them, but airborne and ground-based players can explore the same worlds together, so watch the skies. As we've said already, I wanted to do surface landings in Elite Dangerous for a while now, and we've been planning how best to do it since the Kickstarter. Elite Dangerous Horizons is the first stage and a huge step. The quality people expect is, as always, very high, and the team have done a great job hitting that benchmark. These worlds will feel real and meaningfully unique. You'll read about some of the exciting things you'll find on surfaces this week in the press and on our community blog, but Planetary Landings is just the start. Elite Dangerous Horizons is a full season of content expanding into 2016, introducing new features and gameplay in each major expansion. As with Season 1, this season of expansions is not just about planet surfaces, but other major features are coming too. Of course, support will continue for Elite Dangerous even outside of Elite Dangerous Horizons, and we're keeping the community together. All Elite Dangerous and Elite Dangerous Horizons players will share the same galaxy together, and you'll retain all your progress whenever you choose to join our new season of expansions. Elite Dangerous Horizons will be available to pre-order on our store today, and I'm very happy to announce all existing Elite Dangerous players will receive a £10 loyalty discount off the Horizons retail price. Existing players will also unlock the exclusive Cobra Mark IV ship in Elite Dangerous Horizons. The Cobra Mark IV will be available in the game only to players who've joined us in the first year forever. It's our thank you for your faith in the game, and you'll see more of the Cobra Mark IV in Friday's peak of the week. 
Due to popular demand, we've also decided to bring back for a limited time the lifetime expansion pass. It should appear in our store later today. We're committed to seeing Elite Dangerous grow the right way, and we hope you'll join us planetside as we embark upon the exploration of our galaxy's undiscovered worlds together. We have a great team, and I believe Elite Dangerous Horizons will bring players closer than ever to the dream of touching other worlds. There'll be lots of questions, I know. Elite Dangerous... Yeah, we'll skip this. The community team will do their best to answer your questions about the ongoing evolution of Elite Dangerous on our forums and tune into our Twitch stream throughout the week for more on Elite Dangerous for Xbox One, Elite Dangerous 1.4 CQC for PC and Mac, and Elite Dangerous Horizons. Thank you for playing, and right on, Commander. Excellent. Thank you very much, Mr. Jarvis. Mr. Jarvis, by the way, hates it when I just give him a complete wall of text to read out on the show, so uh, thank you for uh, reading that out. (laughs) Go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you get for arriving to the show late. You have no no comeback. You have no argument. You just have to do it. Uh, Speaking about arriving to the show late, uh, we would like to introduce uh, Head of Station Security, Miss Lisa Vu's joined us. Hello, everyone. Sorry, I'm late. Why are we late? Tell the class. Um, So some people may or may not know I had quite a nasty fall yesterday and managed to damage my knee and my toes quite badly. So uh, um, I've also been working on uh, a game release myself today uh, and I'd had the day from hell and I really needed a bath (laughs) and painkillers before I could face Labe Radio. (laughs) And and what, uh, what massive obstacle was it that caused you to fall? The floor. <laughs> the floor. And how much had you been drinking? <laughs> Nothing. I hadn't been well, Nothing at all. You coffee. see, that takes a certain amount of skill. It really does. We applaud that level of dedication. <laughs> I, I just assumed the cat was trying to kill me because once I'd hit the deck and come round a bit, she was just sat there in the doorway staring at me. <laughs> how anyway. are you anyway? How are you actually feeling? Painkillers um, working? Uh, hopefully, yes. I'm hoping that the wine will kick in soon too, so it'll be <laughs> fine. Awesome. Okay, well, uh, let's start off with you, Lisa. Talk us through the um, the video, um, yeah, the trailer video. It wasn't very long, but what did you think of it? Uh, I think it's, you know, it's it, in, the, in the style of videos that we have seen from Frontier before, it is definitely not in-game footage. It is a dramatisation, <laughs> and a beautiful dramatisation it is at that um, you know, you sort of have to appreciate the artistry in it. Uh, I was very excited to see the um, the planetary vehicle, uh, that I think they're calling the Scarab, um, yep. zooming around. It, it had echoes of, of the original Mass Effect for me. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have said, like, you know, the exploratory vehicle out of Mass Effect, the Mako, or the Mako, depending on where you're from. Um, it, it has, you know, a lot of comparisons, but uh, it looks like it can go sideways as well a little bit. So that it just looks really exciting. Um, yeah. Uh, also, I think somebody spotted that they had taken the um, the, co- the giant Cobra model with them to Gamescom. And it's... Yeah on a planetary surface the way that they had set it up at the, at the show um, and we got to see a shot that basically looks identical to the setup that they have of the model at Gamescom which I thought was a very nice touch uh, so yeah I'm I'm pretty stoked for it it looks cool John you're normally yeah uh, quite uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, quite pessimistic on all these things what did you think of planetary landings pessimistic um, yeah, pessimistic. Um, uh, Negative, okay, shall we say? 
Well, I, I, I squeed a bit because, um, you know, I was a big Frontier player, so obviously planetary landings are something that I was really looking forward to. Um, I, I don't know, the more I, I've thought about it, um, the more I've, I'm kind of more excited about CQC now. Um, uh, see, this is why I came to you. I, I knew you'd, you'd bring us down to the level. No, so yeah, why yeah, well, are you more excited about CQC than you are about planetary landings? Well, I, I guess it's because, um, you know, I, I like a bit of competitive gaming, and so PvP is, you know, it, it appeals to me. So, of course, you know, when I saw CQC, for all its faults, I started to kind of like the idea of, you know, if, if I get fed up of, you know, doing whatever I'm doing in the main game, I can just jump in for a quick game and kind of blast a bunch of other players who aren't going to, you know, complain about me shooting them. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I kind of, I do like that. Um, obviously, the plan hold, hold, for me- hold, hold on a second. What makes you think they're not going to complain about you shooting them? Where has that ever been put Well, in the what manual? I mean is they can't complain saying, oh, I wasn't expecting to be shot because... You know, I think it's kind of obvious if you if you go into a combat tournament. Uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, John. Shot. Have you met the Elite Dangerous community? Have you met some of the people on the forums? They're still going to complain about being shot in CQC. Let's not burn all of our bridges, <laughs> Fuzz. I went into CQC and John Stabler didn't let me win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is that going to be the new complaint? Um, so I'm actually looking forward to CQC. Uh, I'm looking forward to planetary landings, but it's, it's more of a kind of planetary landings because there's no details of you know, lots of juicy details surrounding what we're actually going to be doing when we're down there. At the moment, I can, can't see past what eye candy is going to give us, so I'm still kind of a bit more excited about CQC. As, as okay. they reveal more details, I dare say, you know, I'll probably flip-flop. <laughs> flip-flop, nice. Okay, well, I mean, we'll get on to uh, CQC in part two of the show, because I know a couple of guys have played it on Xbox One. It'll be interesting to, to hear their opinions on it. Jarvis? Oh, actually, I was going to say, I was about to say on the chat, don't worry, because my comment was going to be about CQC. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> it's fine. Okay, we'll catch up with that later. Ben, you and I both saw that the, um, the, the sneak peek from Gamescom looked like it was landing on a planet, so we had a pretty good idea this might be coming. Um, this would be David's photograph from... La- is this, this is David's photo from late last night. Yeah, exactly, which we thought yeah. looked like it was landing on a planet. So yeah. did it live up to expectations? I think it did, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of squeed a little bit when I saw it, and I squeed a little bit when I was listening to it while I was working. So, <laughs> I'm, I you- am looking forward to getting out and driving the Scarab, um, and I really I want to jump great big canyons in it with zero G, or with low G environments. Right, okay, like they do in, uh, what's, the, what's the asteroid film? Is it um, uh, Armageddon? I'm sure there's some jumping buggies in Armageddon. Oh my I have no God. idea. <laughs> yeah, no, no, there, there is, but let's let's not let's not use Armageddon <laughs> and Elite in the same sentence, shall we? Yeah, um, weren't they on an asteroid in that? Unless it's, gonna be, uh, unless it's going to be full of highly offensive racial stereotypes of drunk Russian <laughs> astronauts, uh, or Steve Buscemi just losing it for no apparently good reason. <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm with I'm I'm with I'm with Lisa though. Having played the original Mass Effect, the the moment I saw that SRV footage, I just thought, yeah, that that looks like the Mako. I mean, particularly it's all about the Mako slash. Did you enjoy the Mako though? 
I, I really liked it, I but I know it. a lot of people didn't. No, 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 I've, I absolutely loved this. The whole... Uh, so you're I mean, with I'm, me there. I'm, yeah, I'm going to be kind of against form with these announcements from Elite because this whole bunch <laughs> of thing, I'm going to be relentlessly positive about the whole thing uh, because every last aspect of it excites me. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, even going down so far as, you know, Sandra saying the stuff about being able to use the boosters on the SRV to kind of jump around to jump and to hold yourself down to the ground as well yeah i just thought that's that's classic mass effect great it's super Stop. exciting well is it, is it not uh, just this just the same because or oh, as the game that was just been well a new version of the game in the playstation 4 which originally was um supersonic rocket powered battle cars <laughs> where you played <laughs> football with little cars in an arena with rockets rocket and all league. kinds of stuff yes which has now been re-released as Rocket League um, as a new version which looks awesome I am all in for having a go at that in Elite definitely I want to have, <laughs> I wanna have races like... I want to have yeah. races in the Scarab like so much right now <laughs> <laughs> you and right. me <laughs> Um, okay, I just had this idea of ha- having your your three uh, your, your wingmen in a three, and you've got uh, three scarabs, and you could play like a version of pong with uh, your middle guy being bounced around on a low gravity planet. So I think that would be quite a good way of uh, using the scarabs. <laughs> you know what? Bounce somebody over a ship in orbit, you know, up the way, just like uh, right, see if I can get you to land on top of an anaconda. Boring. Oh. Um, okay, you well, know what we uh, could do Fuzzer actually, which would be awesome. Uh, you know how in GTA you've got you can be, you've got those missions where you have to run away from the person in the airplane. So you've got three of you in scarabs having to run away from one of you in your ship. Oh, you yeah. so much potential we could do with this. Launch a launch a, a scarab into the air and then using the sort of roll, try and sort of get a tennis match going with a big ship like a cobra <laughs> and see if you can ping them for miles across the planet's surface. Oh, there's so much fun to be had. Oh, I. Yeah, meanwhile, all me, the devs that me worrying, And there was me worrying that the detail of their Q&A left no room for wild speculation. <laughs> nope. Not, not with us in charge. <laughs> oh, dear. Meanwhile, the devs are sitting back listening to this going, I absolutely fucking hate the community. They always manage to break it. <laughs> I just think you can be cool. sitting, there, sitting there in your anaconda getting a lovely video from someone in a debug mode as all these scarabs climb over your ship and you like, take off and you can then proudly broadcast to the entire universe that you've got scarabs. <laughs> can you imagine just lifting the scarabs up into orbit as well but just rolling and depositing all the brands? All these players <laughs> floating off into space <laughs> in their land vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> Are we finished? Have we quite finished? Do we have um, to be? I think no. so. No. <laughs> one of the things they didn't mention is whether or not you had to be landed to, uh, to launch your scarab. That would be quite entertaining if you could do like an orbital drop of your scarab, seeing as they've got thrusters and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's it might be slightly confusing. Well, I was going to say it might be slightly confusing as you're either flying the ship or flying the scarab, so you could end up flying your ship into the sun because you've forgotten that you haven't got, got an autopilot for it. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 I'm interested in, because one of the things that's interesting about this announcement is because the planetary exploration is done via a secondary vehicle rather than by getting out of your ship and walking around, mm. obviously what this what this announcement isn't is first person walking around mode. So one of the things that interests me is the the transition from the cockpit to the scarab seat and whether that's gonna be some sort of weird 
Tracy Island slash Batman thing <laughs> where your seat is kind of pulled through the floor and dropped into the cockpit <laughs> of the, the Scarab or whether there'll be some mist style animation of you walking through the corridors and going to I'm just I'm just really interested to know because the game is very seamless at the moment and you never leave your seat and it'd be interesting to see how they can maintain that level of seamlessness while moving you to another vehicle yeah okay Ben I think if I remember reading things or listening to things correctly that you're not actually in the Scarab, it's a remote control vehicle are you sure? I'm not entirely convinced on that I know there, there are skimmers simples. out there yeah, yeah. There, there are skimmers out there that were mentioned in the stream that will be controlled by the pirate bases they'll be autonomous drones uh, mm-hmm. But I think you are actually this... piloting your buggy. You might be, in which case then, yeah, you go, you, who knows how we're going to get into it, but why not have it as a remote control vehicle as well? Well, yeah. And that would also yeah. get rid of player death. But that would be quite sad. Yeah. John? Mm. Well, I was going to say as well is, if they do have it so that you're in the buggy, what's to stop you from driving your buggy onto someone else's anaconda and then flying off? You know, how are they going to handle that? Well, I so, think... I... I I think the buggy's attached. Anaconda. <laughs> <laughs> I think the buggy's attached via a hard point, if I'm not mistaken. They're deployed by a hard point, so I don't think it's quite as simple as being uh, able to drive up. And I think possibly the answer to stop all that going on, because they were a bit ambiguous about certain features that they were talking about, whether or not there was exploits possible. And this might be one where you know driving your scarab into someone else's ship and then flying off with it, and they're like. Going, <laughs> I'm sure I parked my anaconda here. Yeah, sure. There's two rocks in from the large. Oh no! And then there's a little <laughs> dirty sidewinder with some dents in the side left in its place, <laughs> oh, on bricks. Yeah. But yeah, I think you know. I think possibly remote control is the most sensible way to tackle that. Yeah, but it's otherwise you might end up you might end up on someone's ship and then they'll read some poetry to you before chucking you off. <laughs> But I, th- I think people find the whole um, remote control drone thing very distancing. Yeah, exactly. and I know, I know it's just a, yeah, I know it's just a role-playing concept. But the idea that you, I know it will look the same. But the idea that you are not actually getting out of your ship and travelling around the planet, some people will find that a bit of a cheat. Yeah, me. I think I think you will get to drive it though because I read a interview on PC Gamer earlier today. I think it was where Mr. Braben was talking about how he wanted the um, Scarab to be just as fun or, or like interesting to pilot as the ships are. So I don't think we'll get a remote control cop out. I really don't. But why can't a remote control cop out be just as fun? as sitting there with your hand on the actual joystick. Well, I used to remember playing Call of Duty, you know, back when I was, uh, you know, a big console player, because um, I am. Uh, and uh, I, I remember playing, they used to have those UAVs, um, so most of the time you were in first-person shooter mode, and then you'd go and pilot a UAV, and that was every bit as exciting as, you know, actually running around shooting people, except that when you di- when your UAV was shot down, you just had some static, and then you were returned back to, to yourself. So I don't know if necessarily, because it's remote-controlled, it, it won't be immersive. But it's not the same as scratching the itch of planetary exploration. I mean, we kind of already know from real space travel that it's far more, it's far easier and far more practical to send remote control drones to various planets in the solar system. But no one really cares about that. All they care about is when am I going to get to go to Europa? Uh, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with Chris on this one. Um, I mean, Carrier Command had the um, the sort of the fly-by wire for the the drones and the uh, what are they, the walruses, uh, and that was that was good fun. But you were sending them to an island that you could see from the um, from the carrier. You weren't trying to send them onto a, a moon that you want to explore. So, I think actually having your hands, being able to look around your your buggy and having your hands on the throttle in the same way that you do in the ship, mm-hmm. and seeing your controls and stuff being exactly the same, I think would add just that extra level of immersion. Does anyone else predict a sudden release of a new range of Cytec steering wheels? <laughs> yup. Um, I can. I predict a release of Scarab paint jobs, that's for sure. Would you actually want to steer the Scarab um, with a steering wheel, though? I think the hot ass would actually be fine for it. Oh, yeah, I think, it, I think I'll be fine for it. Depends, though, you know. I'm not exactly doing very well with the Xbox controller and the CQC. <laughs> anyway, oh, so. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Them controls, though. Hmm. Um, just looking at the chat room, uh, Enshiv is actually saying, so Scarab bubbleheads. Uh, I'm assuming he means bobbleheads. Um, that would be a good idea. You can imagine a bobblehead going nuts on, a, on the surface of a moon, being bounced around in a buggy. So crash, then. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I think we definitely do. need to get. Well, I think we definitely need to get Crash's own uh, in-game bobblehead. Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to jump to a quick advert, and then after we uh, come back, we're going to talk about the the live stream that went on at three o'clock this afternoon and the Q and A's from David and Sandra. This is all I'm going to play for adverts all tonight. Lave Radio. (laughs) Lave Radio. Lave Radio. Listen to Dadio. Dangerous podcast. It's the elite. Lave Radio. So much to say, Dio. This side of Diso. We're loving the heat. I hope someone knows what we're talking about. They mean disco. Lave Radio. It's here to say, Dio. Orange Sidewinder. This is your crew. Lave Radio. Hey, 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 Dio. It's second technician. Forest of two. It's come. It's a podcast that's based on a game. Not to listen would be such a shame. It makes other stations sound very lame. That's Lave Radio. Swing your pants. No, no, Simon, we're not them. We're pink custard. We cut the mustard. We're never flustered. We We can't be trusted. Lave Radio, this song's for you. For the Orange Sidewinder crew. Elite Dangerous is what you do. And then you talk a lot about it too. Lave Radio, ready to play Dio. Search for their website and off you go. Lave Radio, nothing to pay Dio. Sci-fi gamer DJ fans, this is your show. Oh, it's a niche audience then. This is Radio Online called Lave. With DJs Chris's Alan John, but not Dave. Forever surfing internet airwaves. That's Lave Radio. It's a podcast that's based on a game. Not to listen would be such a shame. It makes other stations sound very lame. That's Lave Radio. Lave Radio. Lave Radio. Lave Radio. 
radio. It's not love radio. Well, I well, know we all love live radio. No, but it's not live radio. Oh, well, it, it, I don't know whether it's live or, or live, 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 live radio, live, and we love it. Guys, I cannot apologise enough. I didn't realise that Cow is literally just going to play that at you for the entire evening. So, uh, sorry about that. Uh, but we're back. We're going to talk a little bit now about the, the Q&A. But before we do, uh, Celadon in the chat room, Evening Dave, um, has posted a picture of the scarab that puts all of our speculation um, to bed, as there is actually a picture of a guy in the cockpit of the scarab actually driving it. So, it looks like you are going to be able to drive it, as opposed to be remote-controlled. Unless that's an Android body they've got in there. Or better still, one of those autopilots that uh, was in um, airplane, one of the inflatable guys. What do you reckon? I'm Is sorry, that an inflatable Chris, autopilot? I don't understand the question. <laughs> Um, okay, let's go on to the questions. Um, these were posted uh, from the forum uh, post and some of the stuff they got on social media uh, throughout the morning and answered at three o'clock this afternoon by David Braben and Sandy Samarco with Ed Lewis at the helm. Did anybody else think that Ed was um, even more hyper than normal on that particular He needed stream? his Ritalin. He needed what? <laughs> he definitely needed some Ritalin. He needed Ritalin. I don't know what sort of sexual practices you do. Ritalin. Oh, whatever it is. I don't know. I'm just remembering from Simpsons. (laughs) I was going to say, it was definitely an Americanism that you had there, man. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's something I remember from the Simpsons once upon a time. Okay, well, riddling just sounds wrong. But So next time you see Ed, we'll suggest that you give him a good riddling. (laughs) (laughs) Riddle me this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay uh, it does um, like a good on. quiz moving on to the the questions um straight off the bat uh question number one was um were planetary landings going to be a seamless from space uh and david basically said that there's going to be a new uh, a new mode like uh, super cruise called orbital cruise and the idea is that you pick your spots on the planet uh, you go, you're in super cruise, you pick your spot on the planet and then you engage orbital cruise and then you seamlessly go down from orbit straight down onto the planet. I'm assuming everybody's happy with this. Uh, nobody wanted to super cruise and stop and then have to uh, taxi all the way down slowly. So long as I can pick and choose where on the planet and then fly manually around whilst I'm in orbital cruise, change my destination, fly through the valleys jump over the mountains and things like that then yes but if it's just like okay i want to go there and my ship takes me there then that's kind of crap yeah but they did answer that question they did say that the scarabs are exceptionally difficult to pick up on radar if you're in a spaceship but you can if you get low enough and you're a good enough pilot follow the scarabs around so if that's the case there must be a way of actually flying across the surface so So i don't think you need to worry too much about that I don't see why it's not just an extension of the frameshift drive. Because if you think about it, the um, your, your drive automatically decelerates you as you get large, get close yeah. to a large gravitational body anyway. So it's really just a case of extending that deceleration curve so that you kind of hit zero as you hit the planet's surface, if you like. <laughs> it sounds like yeah. that um, being in orbit is going to be with its in itself like an instance. So, um, you know... So what, it's like a normal orbit in that you'll be going around the planet at a certain speed and then as you drop your speed, your orbit will drop down because I think that was what David Braben was talking about when he was talking about speeding up and dropping down. So I think it's going to be a quite realistic orbiting mechanic. 
Yeah, and there definitely is manual flying around in the atmosphere because they spend quite a lot, a lot, long time on the Twitch Q and A, um, talking about how the flight model is different for different ships in the atmosphere yeah. because of yeah, we'll get like gravity that. and all those sorts of things. Yeah. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the SRV, the Surface Reconnaissance Vehicle, otherwise known currently as the Scarab. Uh, what it basically said is that every ship can carry the Scarab, but not every ship can carry all the SRVs in the game. There will be many SRVs, some of which will be specialised for certain tasks. Uh, well, this is quite exciting. It means that even your smallest of ships, like the Sidewinder, will be able to actually uh, get you down onto a planet and get you out in your little uh, in your little buggy. What? Let's just speculate while here as to what the other SRVs could possibly be for. Now, we know that um, there's going to be um, exploration. We know there's going to be a certain amount of mining, collecting minerals. There's a certain amount of attacking pirate bases. Do we see the uh, these different vehicles being particularly tasked for each one of those uh, events? What do you reckon, guys? Uh, start off with Grant. Well, I, I would have to confess that one that they'll need to make sure that they do have is one that fits into the Orca, so that you can continue the space tours on land and get a nice wee sort of ah, bus tour going. That's a nice speculation. So a big red scarab, basically, for... Uh, Bus-wings for... holiday. <laughs> <laughs> those, uh, those, 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 those passenger missions that they've implemented. Tow <laughs> yeah. tours from the doors to the stars. Pick you up at so your you... front door. That's what I want. You reckon that these airless bodies are going to be the uh, the next line in tourist attractions for the uh, for the galaxy? Do you? So you're going to have your uh, your scarab, and it's going to be like a big red bus, and you're going to take passengers around the um, the craters. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that'd be a great mission, wouldn't it? To, to find a particular <laughs> crater on a planet for this big wig VIP in the back of your orca who wants to to see the craters of. And Bloomingwell would probably be the planet near Hutton. Uh, I'm not sure. The <laughs> no doubt it'll be that one. You're like, oh, I just like, don't mind any any time in the next forty minutes. I right. <laughs> I think what the SRV needs is to be a little bit longer, have a bit more space inside, maybe some kind of sort of pink plush panelling, uh, and, and free champagne for every member of the hen party, and some. some oh dear. Stabler, save us here. Have some sensible suggestions to what the different types of scarabs could actually be. The funny thing is, I was actually going to um, go for the, the stretch limo with the women <laughs> hanging out of the windows as well. So, Jarvis beat me to it. Um, I, I just... I mean, if you go to, like, Slough, is there going to be loads of bin lorries there? That, that'd be, that'd be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. The bin lorry scarab to go to Slough and dump all the radioactive waste on uh, the, the well, moon to Slough. That would be an awesome mission. It would be go to this planet, you need to clean it up. So there would be like a uh, like a lorry where you've got to, you know, pick up loads of scrap metal and stuff to clear clean up the planet. So Would you have a rare chance of finding some diamonds in there as well? Yeah, sure, why not? I think the environmentalists are going to love it. So going, going back to the early grinders. days of Dave Radio, wasn't it you, John, that came up with the concept for the Orange Sidewinder on the basis that there would be clean-up missions that people would end up having to do as part of their community service? And you're now essentially making the same pitch for a rubbish <laughs> on planet surface. Where you can I'm so unoriginal. <laughs> I'm just recycling my own material here. But yeah, why not? Because 
I mean, we already have, you know, trade missions where can you take this scrap metal somewhere, which, you know, we're assuming it's for recycling. So, you know, there's going to, I think recycling is going to be a big thing in the future. So, you know, why not? And if you can get convicts to do it, then obviously you're saving, you're saving on labor as well. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Laying out his economic policy. So that's a plus one for the scarab pickup then, basically, and the rednecks that are going to fill it. Is that right? Well, that'd be cool. And, of course, David Raven's already said that there's eventually there's going to be a scarab with a with a, a gun on it, so you can go and shoot Cecil the lion on some planet somewhere. <laughs> so <laughs> Too soon! Too soon! <laughs> well, it's just, right. it's quite funny, actually. Well, it's not funny. Um, uh, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, game hunting seems to be something the public isn't in favour of, and yet David Raven is <laughs> almost um, evangelical yeah. about it. <laughs> Yeah, this would not have been a good week to announce planetary animal hunting. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, maybe that was the surprise that we've got left for one point four. <laughs> okay, so um, we've got the we've got the pickup scarab. We've got um, we've obviously been told that there is going to be a certain amount of combat going on uh, on these airless moons. So obviously, we can think about getting some sort of tank version of the scarab with more hard points, a little bit thicker armor. What do you reckon to that? Yeah, seems pretty likely. As, as long as the mining one looks like the mole from Thunderbirds. <laughs> I'm kind of doing Thunderbirds again. Basically, essentially what I want is a, is a, is a Thunderbirds game. <laughs> Stop with all this elite stuff. Just make a Thunderbirds game with all the vehicles. That'd be great. No, but seriously, I mean, it's been interesting to know how the mining scarab works, whether that's a kind of sitting there and mining thing, or whether it's more like the carrier command thing, whereby your scarab has like a... A, a machine on the back that's unloaded and sits and drills a bit like the thing from um was it the old thing from command and conquer the vehicles that used to go out and sort of dip the harvesters them? yeah yeah something like that be interesting i don't know i kind of not sure what role the tank would play other than to kind of grief srvs that are there for a reason or if there is an element of power play whereby battles play out on a planet's surface. Because if there is specifically faction v faction combat on a planet's surface, I can definitely see a role for a tank. If there isn't that, then essentially all a tank is really doing is griefing players that are there to do a proper job. Well, certainly one of the things that David and Sandy also alluded to is the fact that there will be pirate bases, uh, and you will need to attack the pirate bases, so that's obviously where the tank version would come in, I should imagine. Yeah, it seems like those, sorry, taking down those defenses and stuff that'd be quite interesting. You know, maybe you, if you're in a wing of people and you're trying to complete some kind of mission, there may be elements of uh, landscape that require the firepower of a tank to remove from your, uh, obst- you know, from uh, being in your way. Yeah, yeah, good shout. Um, am I, okay, am I well, the only one that feels like that there might be sort of a building element? To, to one as well so obviously you know we've got harvesters we've got stuff that's for fighting but is there any reason why we can't build our own defenses or you know stuff like that like an engineering scarab uh-huh it's beginning mm. to sound like a, it's another game it's you know the, the scope <laughs> for it is so big and and salvaging as well because they're talking about wrecks so i mean you need a salvager unit that's yeah. capable of cutting chunks off ships and I mean that could be stunning to see and hopefully not a case of like the majority of games are with resources you press the button a couple of times it does a half animation and then it just disappears with a ship like that you're going to want to see it losing parts aren't you 
Sorry, go on, guys. Sorry. Well, then no, they've no, shied... no, not flippers. <laughs> no, they've, they've, <laughs> not shied away from, um, they've shied away from player-owned structures in the past. Because I was thinking it'd be nice to be able to go down to play on the surface and start building some stuff. But, I don't know, in the past they've been very cagey about the idea of people being able to kind of build persistent features in the universe. I don't, have to, I don't think it has to be player-owned, though. I think, you know, it could be a community goal. <laughs> Yeah. That's the thing that we've seen before. It, like, just because you have the mechanic there doesn't mean the player owns it. It just means the player's contributing towards it. Well, no, that's so, fair. You know. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let's speculate on this then. Uh, imagine that you are winged up and you've all got scarabs and the mission is that you found a derelict wreck. You need one scarab who's actually going to be the salvager. He's lightly armoured, doesn't have any weapons, can only do the salvaging. You've got another guy who is the tank, who is defending from either rival people trying to get to that uh, crash site or maybe pirate bases that want to protect that crash site. And then you've got a third scarab, who is the engineer, who can go about putting um, remote cannons or defences around the place that you're trying to salvage. That's three different types of scarabs for one particular mission, which forces you to wing up in order to actually complete that particular goal or mission. You Do you just, reckon that would work? You just described Team Fortress with with cars. I'm totally okay <laughs> with that. And this sounds awesome. <laughs> well, I'm the totally thing is, okay I, I'm going to be, I'm going to put a bit of a downer on it. Much as I would love something like that, they haven't actually created um, missions that players can effectively take on roles to complete missions in space yet. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'd, I have, I'd like them to do both, ideally, but, you know, I'd have hoped that they would have done it in space first. But they have in a sort of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, in a, in, a, in a way that kind of comes out of player action. Because theoretically, if you want to actually trade in open play, you do really need to kind of wing up and take bodyguards with you. So there is a sort of dynamic gameplay that's come out of the whole wing thing but they haven't yeah i'm agree i'm with you they haven't created any prescribed missions that require you to be part of a wing or have different roles maybe not missions but what about some of the higher level um uh what they called the beacons in space the unidentified signal sources they've got higher levels of those where you pretty much need to be in a wing or an anaconda in order to complete them yeah, but there's no roles, really, is it? It's just a case of more is, you know, more people is more firepower. It's it's not, it's very narrow. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, for the scenario, doesn't have to be uh, a set rule. It could just be a, if you don't kind of pick that kind of wing up, then you're not going to do very well. And, you know, you, you might be better off having more tanks and one salvager, or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I was fact, winged up the, the other salvager day. salvager can probably hold them out. The, the fact that the salvager, in keeping with the lead dangerous in terms of the spirit, the, the salvager probably would have to have weapons of its own in order to be able to do the entire mission on its own. Um, but obviously it's not going to be as good at defending as, say, the tank is. And maybe the tank can carry a salvager module, but it's not going to be as good at salvaging as the salvager one. You know, every ship and every scarab should be able to do maybe all the things, but maybe not as well as some of the ones that are specialised, just like the ships. That would make sense to me. Go on, Ben. I was just thinking that the other day I was winged up with, I think it was uh, Dave Pierce, and... Basically, him and another guy in a vulture were dragging ships back to me in my anaconda. So, you know, we're using different ships for different roles, and it worked very well. 
Okay, like sort of being the bait and dragging people into your, into, you know, yeah. your field of action. Yeah. So they, they were tickling them, and, I, and then I was just basically nuking them down. And you were riddling them, sorry, were you? Sorry, I, well, <laughs> I don't know. I think... if you Can you have a look on game chat at the moment, Fodzer, and tell me what on earth uh, Splint is doing to my anaconda? Uh, I can't see I just, that, right? Oh, I'm just seeing the top of his ship going forwards and backwards and forwards and backwards. That's never and a it's, good it's kind it's of disturbing. That's elite teabagging, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it won't be. I have no idea. Um, I got a very Star Wars, like the start of Star Wars-esque from... Oh God. Okay, Kirk says we were humping. Okay, let's, uh, let's move on. Let's go on to in your cockpit? I'm not sure that would be... <laughs> He's no, lowered no, his no, landing no. gear now. Come on, guys, guys. Let's keep it clean. Family show. Let's move on to question three. I was being clean. The question was, how does the seasons work uh, with the expansion passes, etc.? So what we know is that people who backed from the very start um, get Horizons for free. Those people that backed, I think it's over the £80 mark. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. I don't think... That's not... I don't think that's what they were saying at all. No... Well, okay. There seems, so people, let's, let's restart then. Then there seems to be a bit of confusion around how the season and expansion passes are going to work. Um, Chris, what's your understanding of it? Well, no, it's just I didn't think. I think what they were saying is that the Cobra Mark Four. So the Cobra Mark Four is a vehicle that's going to be part of Elite. Is it Elite Horizons or Elite Dangerous Horizons? Are we going crazy with colons here? <laughs> anyway, it's it's elite dangerous, dangerous horizons. horizons. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, so I, but I think what they're saying is, so the, the Cobra Mark IV will be uh, a Horizons ship, but if you've been a player of Elite during the first year, you get the Cobra Mark IV as a ship that's available in your ordinary Elite Dangerous. But I think if you come to the game after <laughs> a year, then you only get it as part of the Elite Horizons thing. <laughs> Obviously, a lot of Kickstarter backers will get Horizons because a lot of people have got the the lifetime expansions pass, yeah. which they're also going to make available again or have made available in the store. Yeah, but I, I don't think all the Kickstarter backers get Horizons as a, as a thing. As no, a I just, think you're right. But people yeah, who own right. the game for a year also get twenty five percent discount off yeah. the purchase yeah. price of Horizons. Yeah, what what is I'm twenty five or is it ten? Somebody in the chat saying 25, but it might be 10. I'll double check. I don't think it's 10%. I think they were saying it'd be £10. I think the whole thing's going to be 40 £10, yeah. 25% right. is £10. Yeah, the, so, thing yeah. I, the thing I'm confused about, because of the way they're talking about it, is is Elite Horizons effectively a new standalone version of the game that people have to upgrade to? Or is it a very expensive DLC? I mean, if you're coming to the game brand new, do you have to buy Elite Dangerous and Elite Horizons? In order to get the whole, because that's that basically means that for a new entry, the game's going to cost you like 70, 80 quid. Uh, no, I think if you buy Horizons, you get everything from season one thrown into it as well. I mean, but people can correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't see how you'd play Horizons without having the back simulation in as well. Yeah, how would you get from planet to planet? Well, exactly. Well, but it, yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's depending on whether or not it's DLC, strictly in the sense of here's an add-on to the game, or whether or not it's a standalone game, including it. And it does. Is there's a, certainly that's causing an awful lot of of confusion. As is the phrase seasons. What you know? What is a season? You know? And and, and uh, these. I these, think that's, yeah, they, I think that's they straightforward called, though. They called 
Wings, Power Play, and CQC their first season. That's yeah. that's what they called it. So yeah. Horizons is part of the second season, of which there will be part one Horizons, which is at the end of this year, and then part two Horizons, which will be in the beginning of 2016. That's my understanding. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally with Lisa on this. The, the they've done a whole load of what have basically been free updates to the game over the last year once you buy horizons that will be the same thing there will be a whole load of new features that come out throughout the year that you will get automatically as part of that upgrade but so going back to what we we're saying before that, doesn't that strike me though that if you're coming to the game new and you can buy horizons for like 40 quid that's a little bit of a downer for people who spent 40 quid on elite dangerous and are then going to have to spend another 30 quid to catch up with everyone else it's a trend now at the moment though chris if you look at games like destiny or um guild wars 2 they're all doing it to be able to get people into the game when it's dependent on a previously existing product that you know so it's not another it's not a standalone thing they offer the original product at a discount or break even just to get people through the door for the new content that's that's just a thing now and yes it sucks for everybody who put the money in first and the people who kickstarted it and whatever else but it's it's business right they need the money they need they need like bums on seats essentially right i'm gonna disagree here (laughs) yeah you know what have we been doing for the past year apart from getting over 40 pounds worth of enjoyment well, no, you, know, I, I, you say that, I've been kind of holding out for planetary landings, but... More fool you then, to be nice. trend that is on the up, like it is becoming a normal business practice in terms of games that are online, games that are multiplayer, games that are massively multiplayer, if you like, uh, like it, it, and, and when it is extra content, it is an expansion, not a standalone it just seems to be becoming standard practice. Whether people think it's right or wrong is is a completely different topic for a completely different show. Uh, but yeah. that's, you know, if that's what they decide to do, that's because that's what makes the most business sense for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm gonna have if you think about of, it, um, if you sorry. think about it, um, if this had been a, a paid subscription month by month, we all would have ended up paying a hell of a lot more than even the £40 on top of Season 1 is going to yeah. cost us. Yeah. So, yeah, it swings around about us. The Frontier developments at the end of the day need to make money, and we, we are happy that they make money because when they make money, they can afford to make new games and more content for the galaxy that we guys want to spend time in. So at the end of the day, someone has to pay for it. Just out of interest, how much is the, uh, the lifetime pass? Because I know when I backed at uh, the Kickstarter, it was anything over £80 would get a certain yes. number of expansions. Being started at two and it's now moved on to, uh, fortunately for us, being a sort of lifetime upgrades, which is fantastic. Uh, it's amazing value for, all, for the likes of us that got there nice and early. But at the end of the day, we do need to make sure that Frontier Development, they've got a 10-year plan for this game. We need to make sure that Frontier Development continue to make money off this game if we want to see any sort of longevity, if we want to see the Thargoids come into it, if we want to see, you know, walking around in stations, if we want to see attacking other people in ships and doing shipboardings, all of that needs to be paid for. And how they go about it, it's not going to be to everybody's liking, but at the end of the day, they need to bring that money in somehow. So to me, I'd rather have this and actually give them £40 every you know, six months, then pay a monthly subscription model of, you know, £15 or whatever even line was. Ben? 
I was just say, I've just confirmed on the website that you can buy the monthly the monthly season pass. You can buy the lifetime expansion pass for one hundred and thirty pounds at the moment. Excellent. So one hundred and thirty pounds, and even one hundred and thirty pounds again. If it's got a ten year roadmap, I mean, even if it just lasts half that long, five years. If it lasted five years and you paid one hundred and thirty pounds and got all the upgrades within that one hundred and thirty pounds, mm. that to me isn't you know isn't a bad bargain. Well, another thing, though, that I did find interesting is you can buy into the Elite Dangerous Horizons beta. So even if you aren't a beta packer, even if you aren't an alpha or beta backer from the Kickstarter level, you can actually buy beta access to Horizons for £10 extra. Well, that's interesting. So there's definitely going to be, that's obviously confirmation that there will be a beta yeah. stage for Horizons as well, which is fantastic. I think we're going to have a lot of fun doing that. Um, it, oh, yes. It, so to, just, to, just to play devil's advocate, though, I mean, obviously, we, we kind of, on the one hand, you sort of know that paying 130 quid up front is going to provide a lot of content over the next few years. But given how tight-lipped Frontier are about their plans in terms of how they announce stuff and how they develop the new directions for Elite Dangerous... Is that not a bit of a big ask to say to someone, give me 130 quid and I'll make sure you're entertained for the next few years without actually saying, this is what we are, this, you know, this is our five year plan. This is what we're going to do from this point, this point to this point. Is that any bigger than the Kickstarter risk, though, technically? Uh, That's a little bit different, though. Is it? Yeah, because people go crazy on Kickstarter. No, no, but that's... Nostalgia plays a huge part in Kickstarter. That's that's besides the point, though, isn't it? It's give us some money, trust us it will be good. It's exactly the same thing. When you boil it down, that's the way I see it. Yeah, I, I just think because it's a commercial product now and it's now this thing of it being on their store and you add it to your basket and buy but it. If you trusted, if you trusted them enough to give them a whole wodge of money for a thing that didn't exist and might never exist in the first place, now you're picking bones over a product that exists and you can see that they can make stuff and now you don't want to hand over a slightly smaller wodge of money just yeah. in case yeah but yeah. Jarvis isn't talking about himself he's talking about these people that are coming to the game new I know, those are the people that are going to be fronting up this cash the thinking of it right no 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 absolutely so I'll, I'll give you like another example I probably shouldn't say this on air but never mind um, so it's like Big Finish like I'm a huge fan of their Doctor Who audios they do and you have the option Careful, I know somebody who works for them <laughs> no 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 it's fine I absolutely love their stuff and you know and, I, and I'm always prepared to say that you know in terms of the audio stuff that I do Big Finish have always been my kind of technical bar that's always been the level I always said you know this level of production this is what I want to get to Um, but you have the option with Big Finish of subscribing at the beginning of the year and getting their monthly releases but I've never felt confident enough to say well look you know I know that all the stories you're going to release in the next 12 months are going to be great because you know they're not always I mean that's the problem with storytelling you can't guarantee they're always going to be great Um, but I would happily go back and buy like the same amount of back orders go back through it and say you know i'm going to end up spending the same as i would on a yearly subscription but going back over the last couple of years releases and it i can't explain to you how kickstarter works because some reason kickstarter taps into a nerve that 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 seems to function entirely independently but i wouldn't go into i wouldn't go into game and say to them i'm going to give you a couple of hundred quid and you entertain me with games that are being released for the next couple of years because i don't i don't trust game (laughs) yeah 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 but do you see what i mean on on a commercial platform 
it feels to me like a very different thing. I don't think it is. I think Kickstarter removed most of the risk. And so Kickstarter backers have got a fantastic, um, like, sort of return on their faith and trust in, in Frontier. And now... You know, Frontier are going, okay, well, we're maybe going to test people's um, trust in us a little further and we're going to give them what technically, given their history, represents still pretty decent value, not as excellent value as Kickstarter, but still pretty decent value. But the risk involved is far, far less than that of, of previous, um, you know, people who have got involved through Kickstarter. That it, it's just, you know, that's just how business works. And yeah, okay, I understand what you're saying. Uh, you know, handing over a bunch of money to game and going, send me some awesome games for six, <laughs> ten months, or you know, it's it's like the it's like loot crates, right? You say to loot crates, <laughs> yeah. here is here is two to five hundred dollars of my money send me awesome stuff every month for a year and you put your trust in those companies to send you awesome stuff every month that represents value for the amount of money that you've just handed over to them and people go nuts for the leak crate style stuff and they you know they put their trust in those companies pretty upfront because they think it represents value i think that frontier you know putting the pass out there slightly more expensive than before is the fairest thing that they can do for kickstarter backers while still trying to get some money through the door from people who are willing to give frontier their trust and money now that's how i feel about it okay um let's be honest that this isn't new we have seen this and i'm hoping someone in either the chat or someone on the show can actually tell me which one it was but there was a massively multiplayer online role-playing game i think it was a fantasy one that said that you could have a lifetime pass and it was something ridiculous to me at the time like 200 dollars or um 180 pounds something along those lines um and its servers did in fact go down i think they went down after a couple of years it was a big well, it lasted two years, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't the lifetime that the people were were hoping from, and they just held up their could hands. Could this be and said, Hellgate Hellgate Lon- London? I'm not sure if it's Hellgate London. It could well be Hellgate London. Um, but yeah, they they just held up their hands and said, you know, that was the risk that we took. Um, uh, but there wasn't a big stink about it. Where I think if you look at what Frontier has to offer, uh, they talked about their ten year plan. They look like a company that are going to be around for. You know, for a long period of time. I think it's pretty much a safe investment as much as these things go. And obviously it just makes more sense and more value to get on it as early as you possibly can as opposed to waiting two or three years down the line. But de- devil's advocating again, though. <laughs> it does mean, it does mean, if, 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 each, if each of these years' expansions is the equivalent of a whole new full game's worth of content. I mean, they have already said that when you land on a planet, it is a planet-sized sandbox. So you have the possibility of every time you land having something of the scale of Minecraft, which is incredible. But all I want to say is, it's not that different to, say, Ubisoft releasing a new Assassin's Creed game every year. That's very true, and charging you full price for it. Yep. Okay, interesting analogy. I like that. Um, but if we keep on talking about this, we're never going to get to the rest of the uh, the questions. So, Ben, I'm sorry I'm going <laughs> to cut you off <laughs> and go on to uh, a little bit more chat about the SRVs. Uh, and I know this was a favourite point of yours, Ben, so we'll bring you straight in on this bit. Uh, the question was... Screw well, you! 
will gravity affect the SRV? And basically, they said, yes, different planets will affect how it handles in terms of gravity, but it can also jump. There are jets on each wheel uh, for jumping and also for pushing the SRV down onto the surface. Ben, what are your thoughts on that? I don't really have any thoughts on that. I want to talk about expansions again, but you're not That's letting me. No, I'm not going to let you. I am a fan, though, of the thrusters on the wheels. I like it. I want to do my jumps. I want to have races. I want to be able to use the thrusters to you know, maybe give us some skids and things like that. I think it would be awesome. Okay, wild speculation again. Jarvis, you said that you quite like to use the thrusters to try and leave the uh, the surface and go into orbit. Do you think that's going to be possible? <laughs> I, honestly, I don't. I think... I mean, Sandro made the point... Actually, I don't think he made it publicly. I think I was talking to him at LaveCon. But anyway, the point Sandro made was that one of the issues with going from, you know, from orbit to the surface or from the surface to orbit is actually, in, in terms of real physics, actually that takes quite a long time. So they've created this supercruise-like mechanism to get you down to the planet's surface in, in a, in a game-playable time frame. And I think if you were actually to run your buggy over, like, the edge of a crater and fly up into space, it would just take you a really long time to get anywhere. <laughs> I mean, I'm, not, I'm not saying there isn't a lot of fun to be had from some very high-altitude high uh, antics, but I think actually leaving the planet and ending up as part of an instance where you're floating in orbit in an SRV, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think we can get there. Someone has pointed out, of course, that the process of achieving enough lift to leave the planet's surface in an SRV is, of course, escape velocity. <laughs> um, which I well, thank you very much for that, and I, I do hope they plaster that all over the displays when you're trying to take off. <laughs> I think the, the words escape velocity should just be everywhere whenever you try and leave a planet it should just the whole screen should just say escape velocity and then it should just link to our website and a little gif of me taking a bow (laughs) (laughs) no but no but i mean i think it's um i think there'll be i think if you can't do stupid things in the srvs like in the um there was that halo video where the guy used to fire the warthog around using grenades and he, mm. I think he fired it over some sort of cave feature and then, while it was in the air, shot at it with a rocket launcher. If you can't do that kind of thing, I think it'd be a real pity. Well, I don't see any problem with actually uh, putting realism in it. If there is exceptionally low gravity and you being able to leave the, uh, the surface. We've got fuel rats for those people that run out of fuel. Maybe there is a, a place in this world for those people to come and recover you if you're stranded flying through space in your scarab to come and collect you with an arm or something and take you back down to your ship. Submerging gameplay would be fine. Anyway, let's move on to the next one, which is... Um, uh, the, the discoveries that we can make on the ground. So, uh, what's been said? So, we've been told about pirate bases, crashed ships, mineral deposits, uh, things that we want to fight over, new rares, and Sandy said at the very end, loot. Um, those things sound like things that people are going to want to uh, to get involved with. John? Um, yeah, sorry, just to clarify on what I meant earlier I, I, I know that they offered some details of some of the stuff that you could get up to on the planet's surface but um, I, I actually need a bit more information because you know it, on a piece of paper you can kind of uh, describe all of the exciting things you can do in, in Elite Dangerous in space but some people still seem to think that it's, it's rather shallow so what I meant to say was you know how much more interesting is it going to be on a planet you know, or are they just kind of going to be, you know, projecting their existing 
um, kind of gameplay mechanics on a planet, if you know what I mean. Like, for instance, you're going to be running along a planet, and then you're going to discover a bit of rubble, and it's in effect going to be, you know, like an unidentified signal source, but on a planet, you know. So I, I'm really interested to see how much depth they're going to put into these different things on the planet. So uh, until we get a bit more detail... Um, I don't know what I can really say about it. I mean, I dare say that we're not going to get a hell of a lot of detail till we actually play the beta. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, obviously, they've also said that there will be uh, pirate bases and normal spaceports that you'll be able to land on and trade uh, in the same way as you do in spaceports in space. Um, But what sort of things? Obviously, where they said loot, uh, Sandy at the very end said that there'll be a certain element of crafting. Now, this is something that we haven't seen in Elite Dangerous so far. Uh, Does that not get you excited, John? Um, yeah, I like the idea of looting. You know, I mean, if you can go down to a planet and if you're willing to spend the time driving around in your buggy, you know, you might come across something really interesting. And so, in effect, they can reward players' time with, you know, this, this increasing chance of discovering something that might have some value. So I, I love that idea, you know, because there's a lot of explorers out there who just love doing, you know... L- going all over the place just for the, the thrill of it and if they can be rewarded in interesting ways then I think that's cool so looting sounds great because it actually gives you a reason to go down to the planet in the first place apart from just docking at another base but crafting I mean there's a big question mark there isn't there I mean they've just said the word crafting and they, as I haven't seen any other detail about it I mean are we going to be able to craft you know, create equipment and weapons for our ships and for our, uh, you know, our pluggies. That'd be cool. If we are going to be able to create inf- um, gear, is it going to be more powerful than the gear that you can get um, at stations? And could it create an economy on, based on players able to create more powerful gear and sell it on to fellow commanders? It opens up a whole kind of Pandora's box there, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and one of the things that Sandy also said, I'm going to bring some of these questions into the same one. Um, he also said that there would be obviously these pirate bases and they would be controlling from the pirate bases uh, remote skimmers, which would be obviously attack drones that come out and try and stop you getting towards the pirate bases, try and defend those pirate bases. And the idea is that you obviously have to take out the drones, but ultimately you have to go and attack those pirate bases and take out the people that are controlling the drones. Um, so there will be an element of uh, player versus environment uh, gameplay in here. Uh, you guys excited about the idea of taking down some pirate bases? I'm going to make myself sad now by mentioning it, but it's, it is kind of putting me in mind of uh, Batman Arkham Knight <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the very small amount of time that I played it before I requested a rage refund from Steam. <laughs> the, the latest um, Batman game does feature this ability where you sort of drive the Batmobile around and there are lots of enemies that come to you with their kind of modified cars or tanks that have cannons on top. So there's lots of kind of blowing up of vehicle drones. And I'm wondering if it'll be quite similar to that. Which weirdly isn't the only Batman analogy I was going to make about this because uh, I'm sure we'll probably go on to this, but there's the whole discussion about what happens to your ship while you're off doing these things yeah. and whether your ship can be targetable. And as soon as they mentioned it, all I could think of was that thing in the Batman movies where when he leaves the car, <laughs> it kind of locks itself down in like this impenetrable shell. And I'm wondering if that's something that uh, one wonder if we'll see. Well, let's jump on to that question. Um, the question was, what happens to your ship when you get out into your buggy? And the answer, let me just try and find it here. 
Yeah, they said that, uh, so what happens to our ships when we leave them? The answer is uh, no, it's not yet locked down as to what's going to be happening. They're worried about exploits, which is interesting. When they were asked the question, is there, you know, is it going to be totally destroyed or not totally destroyed? And they say the answer they've got at the moment is somewhere in between. So somewhere in between total destruction and not total destruction. Um, we've obviously yeah. talked a little bit earlier on about exploits in terms of driving your uh, buggy into somebody else's ship and trying to steal it. But can you guys think of any other particular exploits? exploits that you would be worried about with this particular feature salvaging someone else's ship while they're not in it that's that's awesome you know if you've got a salvage scarab and you find somebody else's ship how awesome would it be to come back to your ship and sign some bugger drilling a hole in the side of it and trying to take the uh, the metal plates up on bricks ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah you can I just hear the like the idea coming out of you now. Yeah. I just like the idea that when you drive back to where you left your ship parked, there's just this kind of black smoking crater. <laughs> You're like, oh no! But I, mean, I suppose this might this might come into their thinking when they're talking about crafting. Is if your ship can be destroyed virtually, like into an unflyable state, but not completely destroyed, then maybe before you can leave, you'll have to craft replacement parts to get your ship off the ground and that would then lead on to the exploit of someone basically sitting in orbit and every time you fix your ship they just grief you and destroy it again and you can never leave the planet i mean it's the ultimate kind of spawn kill isn't it you're just suppressing someone and stopping them from ever taking off again unless of course they jump into solo oh yeah i'm not yeah so I mean that, that's the thing about griefing there's always the solo element that gets you out of pretty much anything that anybody can grief you on well, and just, it, the griefing is about stopping you enjoying the game, and I would say forcing you to change the way you play the game is successful griefing. You haven't really, you haven't really got round it, have you? Yeah, maybe. Um, let's, let's, other, let's not do let's not do this discussion again. <laughs> exactly. Let's not go around this loop. Uh, any other exploits people can possibly uh, think about that they might be trying to iron out before they uh, they nail down this feature. No, me neither. Okay, let's move on. Um, so, gravity and ship handling. So, what they've said about this one is that when you go down to a planet, uh, the slower ships, so in other words, if you're travelling slower through the, um, the non-existent atmosphere, uh, your ships will be affected by gravity. So, there's a feeling... Uh, of drifting and sinking due to gravity. There's a brand new flight model, which is different to the space model flight, uh, and that smaller ships handle better in planetary landings than bigger ones. That makes perfect sense to me. So your Sidewinder is going to have an easier job of it than your Anaconda, for example. Everybody okay with that? That makes sense to everyone? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it has me worried. not in a really negative way I remember when I played Frontier there were some combinations of ship and loadout that used to just crash on certain planets and for a long time I didn't understand it and it's basically because the mass of your ship combined with the mass of your cargo was greater than your thruster's ability to slow down and land so there were some ship configurations that were physically impossible to land on some ships. And I suppose I'm a little bit concerned. I mean, people in chat are mentioning the T9. I mean, if you've got a fully laden T9, even if you manage to get it onto the surface of a planet which has like four standard Earth gravities, there's no guarantee you're ever going to be able to leave that planet's surface again. Um, I'd hate to use the phrase escape velocity again, but it really is all about it really is all about how much thrust you have and your ability to kind of leave a gravitational well. And I think that some of the ships that exist in Elite Dangerous 
a sim- you know they must have been built in orbit there's no way you could build them and take off with them but who knows what this um new drive they're talking about you know is the, the, the sort of the landing drive maybe it doesn't use normal physics yeah maybe okay um pure, pure hand weavium <laughs> pure, pure hand waving. I mean, maybe it's like that Lexus hoverboard that's been doing the rounds uh, on the internet today, where you know that wor- thing's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it works as long as you're taking off from a planet that's built entirely out of repelling magnets. <laughs> yes, and that you that you have what is it like a massive store of um, what does it use? Uh, liquid nitrogen, isn't it? Li- yeah, that's it. Liquid nitrogen, and you have to have a specially built skate park for it to work. <laughs> Yes, completely sensible. And cl- apparently, um, if you if you ride it, it's very likely that you're going to fall off and break your neck. Yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, I always like the H.G. Wells story where they go to the moon, where basically this guy just discovers a mineral that just hates gravity. <laughs> it just hates gravity. It's like a rock that just hates gravity, and he builds this thing out of it, and it takes him to the moon. I think we should. I think we can learn a lot from Victorian science fiction. <laughs> Okay, well, let's move on to the uh, the Cobra Mark IV. So the Cobra Mark IV is going to be a reward for people who have been playing Season 1, uh, who then go on to buy Season 2. Obviously, those people that have a lifetime Season Pass will also get it. Um, it's not going to be given to you as a gift. It's just going to be available for you to buy in-game. Uh, those people that just buy Season 2 and jump on the... Uh, jump on the wagon there uh it's not going to be available for them to buy uh interestingly obviously it will still be in the universe but they won't be able to get their hands on it uh so far all we know is that uh, david reckons it's chunkier it's obviously the scientific uh explanation it's got better weapons and he thinks it uh, it has one more hard points uh, everybody agree with that it's not a case of agree on also it's what david said that's what david said <laughs> no, I'm just, well, no, no, it's yeah, like that's, that's, the Kit Kat of, of, of the Elite Dangerous World. It's better because it's chunky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, when I say is that, uh, is that right, I'm asking you because I actually wrote these down as he was saying them. So if somebody else has different or... Uh, no, that's, about, that's the same as my recollect, recollections. Okay. Uh, and when he was asked a question about whether or not paint jobs may cross over from the Mark III to the Mark IV, um, he didn't know completely but he did say that it was their intention to try and make it so that the, the, the mark three uh, paint jobs would make it onto the mark four so people wouldn't have to reinvest which is fair enough that's remarkably uh, restrained for david braben as as statements go actually yeah. yeah i'd agree with that um the announcement of uh, <laughs> it's coming this holiday. He was asked when is holiday exactly, uh, and he gave a bit of a chuckle and said, "Yeah, it's a bit of an American thing." But for them, uh, the holiday season starts in Thanksgiving, which uh, is Thursday, November the twenty sixth this year, uh, all the way through to Christmas. So from the twenty sixth of November to Christmas is what they're classifying as the holiday period. So Horizons should be out at some point during that particular period. It's basically um, the one-year anniversary of the release of Elite Dangerous. Yeah, which, which goes back to my point about an annual release cycle. <laughs> <laughs> See, this, this is what concerns me about the whole standalone horizons. Does that not mean there's going to be a lot of people very sort of sadly a sort of diminishing group of people that are sitting there going on the on the, the season one version of Elite, watching it sort of grow dust around them while everyone else is off flying around in their Mark Fours. In what sense? Well, <clears throat> you know, upgrade or be left behind. 
is kind of the, but you're left alone with your old season one version of Elite being able to play that for as long as you want because they said it'll always be there or maybe they don't maybe they mean it won't be <laughs> that's the sort of uncertainty I think that's kind of going through people and that's what's concerning them about the fact that you know does this if it was an add-on that you can play without then everyone's still playing together aren't they you can still fight each other and all this kind of stuff so the universe doesn't suddenly get empty no I mean season one players that remain at season one and don't update to season two they'll still get the core game they'll still get everything that's in the game at the moment uh, they'll still interact with everybody that's in horizons but they obviously won't be able to do some of the expansion stuff like go down onto planets so obviously the the missions that you get and supposedly it's a seamless or the missions from space will bleed down onto planets they will obviously just not be offered those particular types of missions but they'll still meet the same players is my understanding of it so they might see a cobra mark four a ship that's flying around them that they can't buy that's quite yeah that's quite um salt in the wound isn't it (laughs) um i don't know would everybody feel well no we have we have decals that other players can't have yeah, exactly. And people, if you think about the um, original Elite sort of paint job, to make it look like the the version from 1984. The wireframe one. The wireframe one, that's the word I was looking for. So the wireframe one, that was a limited time only offer. Uh, there'll be people joining the game now that won't be able to get that, yet we'll still see people in Cobra Mark Threes flying around that particular skin. Yeah, I don't see it being any different to that, really. Well, there's also the mercenary pack as well, Chris. You know, that uh, was only available was the mercen- when... Yeah. Yeah, that's that was true. our mercenary skins and the pirate decal, wasn't it? Yeah, so there's always things in the universe or in the galaxy at the moment that you can only get if you jump on at a certain time or buy a certain product that they're offering. So I don't see it being, it's obviously on a bigger scale, but I don't see it being that much different to that. Well, it's also a fairly standard technique. Like, you know, I remember back in 2005, I guess it was, or 2006, something like that, when oh, World of Warcraft, the Burning Crusade came out. And 90% of people probably went straight into Burning Crusade, but a bunch of people just stayed with their vanilla version of Warcraft for ages. And, you know, anyone who went back to the old world could still see those guys, interact with them, and do everything with them. It's just that the guys who only had the vanilla version couldn't jump into, into the new content. It's not going to be cut off. So there will obviously be features that are in Horizons that will spill over to the main universe, I'm sure, in terms of graphical tweaks and you know, certain gameplay mechanics. All of that will come across to everybody that's within the act, uh, who's playing on the servers. So there'll be an element of Horizon stuff that still goes to people that only buy Season 1. So it's, it's going to be a little bit of a grey area, but I'm sure they'll be saying when Horizon comes out, this particular feature only available to people who buy Horizons, this feature available to everybody in Elite Dangerous. You know, they're going to have to actually st- uh, state that in all the updates going forward. Like a kind of a skew product chart with lots of ticks. So yes, depending exactly. on what version you buy, there'll be a tick next to the, you know, what skins you're going to get. Well, it's kind of very Microsofty, though, isn't it, as a solution? Yeah, um, it is, but I can't see any other way that they're going to be able to do it, really. Yeah. I mean, I just wanted to add or reiterate that ultimately, you know, with the Cobra, if people are able to buy fly a ship that other people can't fly, you know, it's, it's not... And I think David said this, and it's not pay to win. It, you yeah. know, as long as the ship is balanced, it's effectively just another cosmetic, because it's no more. It's not more powerful. I mean, even if it was more powerful, it's not pay to win, because you can, as long as there's a way for everybody to buy it. So, um, and the, there's a fixed amount of money that you can spend. So, it's, sorry, it's capped. I should say. So, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Yeah. No. 
completely. Go on, Chris. Sorry, I just want to chip in at this point with something that it's, it's sort of breaking news, although it's old breaking news, but we were talking earlier about how if you buy Elite Horizons that you'll get the, the kind of Elite Dangerous thing comes as part of it. Someone's posted a picture of their, their chat with Frontier Support where they've been told that in order to have Elite Dangerous Horizons, you need to have Elite Dangerous and they've told them that you need to have both. Really? You have to buy both, which basically means that for a new entry into the game come next year, you're talking about like two 40 quid purchases to kind of be... With This is something well, we're going to have to keep an eye on because I don't know if this situation is going to be swinging to and fro over the next kind of four or five months. Well, this, this is a bit of a gaffe on Frontier's behalf then because... Um, I just posted a link in the chat to a Reddit thread where Frontier Support came and answered the question. <laughs> and they said, um, just to, and I'll quote it, if your friend has purchased Elite Dangerous Horizons, they will be entitled to play both Elite Dangerous and Elite Dangerous Horizons when the game is launched for thirty nine ninety nine. If they'd like to play Elite Dangerous right now today, they'll need to purchase Elite Dangerous for twenty nine ninety nine with no obligation to play ED Horizons. So that is a contradiction. Uh, and that actually that actually sounds like a much fairer system to be honest that's quite clear in that case you know if you buy the Horizons game the Elite Dangerous on its own is gone you can't buy that anymore apart from at the current time if you're so desperate that you can't wait for the Elite Horizons, uh, Horizons. so that kind of makes a bit more sense I don't see why yeah. you wouldn't be able to I suppose you get people complaining whatever happens, but I don't really see why if you order Horizons now, you shouldn't just be able to play Elite at the moment. Well, personally, I wouldn't mind, but there's already people moaning about this arrangement on the Reddit thread, so I can only imagine the bleating would be louder if... No matter what they do, they'll be moaning anyway, even if they give it away for free. Well, do you not remember for the last couple of weeks it's been if it's not priority landings and I want a refund and all this shouting and, and <laughs> hard waving and then it's like it is planetary landings, right? Well, oh, they're just money grabbing. Wave another placard. You're kind of going, oh, come on, guys, put them down and play the game. Yeah, you're going to be able to please all the people all the time. I think is the simple answer to that. I think the moral of the story is if you're on the internet and you're expressing an opinion, you are a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> Well, couldn't we do that every single week on this podcast, Chris? Are you suggesting that every one of us is a terrible person? Are, are you oh, saying, I know personally, are you my role model is Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fairly confident that we're all terrible people, but just in a very defined way. <laughs> right, let's leave it there. Let's move on to the next question. In fact, let's move on to the next question because I'm quite excited about it because it was my question. Um, I asked the question, are CQC assets going to be in the main game? So basically my my thought behind this was obviously the um, the arenas and stuff that we've got uh, in CQC are really nice. They're really fantastic. Uh, wouldn't it be great if the systems in the main game at the moment actually had these things off to one side? So say, for example, you had an arena and it was based around Lave Station. So in the main game, you could fly to a Lave Station and just off to the right of Lave Station, you could see all the flashy lights of, uh, of the Lave Arena for CQC. You might not be able to get there. It might be a lockdown section or better still, when you, flow toward, when you fly towards it, you might get the menu that comes up and says, do you want to you know, start CQC, etc. Either way, however they want to do it, I think those assets would be fantastic to, to have in the game. Just to add a little bit more a little more interest into these systems, a little bit more reason to go just as a tourist to some of these places and see them. So, David,
had started off uh, by saying, yes, they've done a great job on CQC and isn't the team wonderful and aren't they great and isn't CQC great and isn't CQC great this? And then he completely forgot to actually answer the question. But in all fairness to David, he did bring it back and said, actually, hold on, Ed, I'm going to stop you. Um, I didn't answer the question and came back and said, yes. They are going to put the main assets into the main game at some point, which I think is absolutely fantastic. But again, it was my question, so I'm going to be leaning towards that anyway. Do you guys want to see these things in the main game? Do you want to see things like the Tienisla graveyard, CQC arena, you know, showing up at Tienisla? Well, it yes, kind yes, of just yes. gives it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It gives it a bit of flavour, doesn't it? Because, you know, people are always complaining that all the stations look the same. Well, now there'll be a bit of a difference that some of them will have a you know, like a, a racing circuit outside or, or a combat arena or something. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you talk about a racing arena and stuff. I do think that's going to be a game mode that's potentially, certainly with the consoles, maybe that'll be announced for uh, for the PlayStation 4 version of Elite Dangerous, that they've got ring racing or something like that, but have ring racing arenas in certain systems that you can go and visit and just see them off to the left of the station and think, oh, yeah, it's the, the ring racer arena, the famous one at Listy or whatever. Anyway, let's move on to uh, the next question question unless anybody else has anything to add about the assets for cqc john yeah, i thought it was a bit of a bizarre question to actually ask but <laughs> but now it's the way that you originally asked it i was like why why would you you know like, why would you want those i thought they were just gonna throw some neon signs on a planet somewhere or something <laughs> like right. there used to be there used to be like a combat arena here but it's been abandoned but it makes a lot more sense now what you're saying that you know, if they're saying that this combat area is, you know, around the moon, then yeah. you would expect in the main game, to, if you visit the moon, to see it there. So, yeah, no, totally. <laughs> Excellent. Um, okay, question 19, I think it was, uh, was just to give a little bit more um, meat on the bones around the 1.4 update. So they said that uh, the 1.4 update is going to include, obviously, the CQC update. Uh, it's going to include new ships, which we know about. Uh, as with all of these main updates, there's going to be a lot of new tweaks that they're not going to mention, but we will certainly notice them when we go into the main game. Um, according to Mr. Brooks, there's also going to be the missions overhaul uh, and something else. Now, this was uh, this was a bit of a tease. Uh, they said that there is still something else to come after 1.4. After 1.4 or in 1.4, before Horizon comes out. How did people read that? Well, we have the answer to that now if we look at the press release that Frontier gave us. Ah, uh, good point. Okay, so, Ben, why don't you take us through that press release? Oh, I'll have to bring it up now then, won't I? Um, do the thing, Ben. Do the, do thing. the thing. I've got get to find up. the thing before I can do it. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get off of all this pressure. <laughs> You've got to find the thing before you can get I've it lost. I've lost my thing. That's a bit worrying, Ben. My work here <laughs> no, is done. No, I don't get any tweezers. Normally, I'd say while he fiddles around trying to find it, we'll go to an advert. But I think the chat I found might it. actually explode. I've I found it. So, would you like me to read this verbatim just to annoy Chris? Just no. Just give us the salient points. I don't know how long it is. It's not that long, actually. <laughs> um, okay. Just the salient point then is Frontier basically went off and told us that CQC is coming out in September. And somewhere between CQC and Elite Dangerous Horizons, we will be getting ships, in inverted commas, which is presumably the name of 1.5. 
and ships will bring the total number of spacecrafts to over 30 and will prepare the game for Elite Dangerous Horizons. Awesome. Okay, so this obviously means that they're going to hit their um, their Kickstarter commitment of having all 30 ships in the game before they start doing um, any paid-for expansions. So... We've seen a lot of ships in the um, in the discussion. Certainly, a lot of passenger liners. Other than the Orca, we've seen. Is it the Beluga? We've seen. These are the sort of ships that I'm imagining they're going to to drop in. But to just throw them all in as one big update seems like um, a massive shift from what they've been doing in the past in terms of just sort of leaking them out one by one. Do we think that these things are all obviously waiting in the wings to uh, to drop, or do you think they'll sort of eke them out slowly over the course of a few weeks? Grant, no, I, I don't know. <laughs> that is that, that is my my expert opinion. There, I have no idea. Well, what ships are we missing? That's put it a different well, way. Well, you know, see, if I'm going to speak on behalf of a certain uh, commander, Snuffler, then the answer is Crate. But not being particularly au fait with the original ships in the original League game, because I spend most of my time crashing into station, getting away and going playing something better, or watching my brother play it. So I never really kind of had that kind of deep knowledge of all the different ships. And then, of course, Frontier, I couldn't get my head around at all, so I played Damocles and uh, Wing Commander 3 and all the other games. Again, probably because I had that sort of deep resentment for anything that my brother liked and <laughs> followed me through life. So there, there isn't, I mean, the Cobra was really, the Cobra and the Sidewinder were the only ships that I kind of have any sort of knowledge of. And so every time I see these ships, it's great to be able to see them and go, wow, these are awesome, from a point of view as they're completely new to me, really. But the crates, obviously, I've heard them mentioned, the, the Wolf um, and... Now, Merlin. The Merlin, yes, that's where I was going to go, but I didn't really want to step on Chris's shoes. So it's kind of hard to know, but I mean, what what I'm hoping it's not is Cobra Mark 4s, Cobra Mark 5s, Cobra Mark 6, the T9, the T10, the T11, the T12. Something that. Bring on the Corvette. Bring on the Corvette. Maybe we can have, you know, kind of like the, from the inspired by all the science fiction series that are out there, these kind of real mismatch ships. It could be quite interesting to see a kind of a class of maybe for in the future we have kit, the equivalent of a kit car. <laughs> you know. Right. So you get sort of the sidewinder kit that the guys built wrong. And it could be quite interesting to have that kind of flavour of, you know, especially because I think there's one particular faction that's had no love at all. And that's the Alliance. So let's get, some, let's get some Alliance ships in and let's make them look like they have been put together by somebody with sticky back plastic and glue. I say, you're talking about the equivalent of the, um, like the Red Bull soapbox racing where the, you're, just <laughs> flying, you're flying around the ship in a ship, flying around the universe in a ship that's made to look like a giant roast chicken in a baking tray. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, that, but more so, more sort of, you know, these kind of mismatch of ships that it would be awesome to be able to sort of fly a, the the budget sidewinder that you've bought from a second-hand dealer, and it's kind of been a, a bolt on of an ass, but the back end, you know, that kind of thing. Um, just looking at the chat channel here, isn't <laughs> that the say. Imperial Eagle Grant? <laughs> it could be. Just looking, at, just looking at the <laughs> chat channel, guys, we've got quite a few suggestions in for the ones that we haven't seen. So uh, uh, Mindwipe suggested, obviously, the Panther Clipper. We haven't seen the Panther Clipper. Uh, there's a lot of love for a Corvette in there. Um, obviously, the Crate. Uh, someone says the Lion from Frontier because it was so deeply flawed. That's Enshiv. Ving Tenton says the Boa, the Mambula, and 
the worm? What the hell ship was the worm? I don't remember there being a worm. There is a no, worm. Just, really? In what? Yep. In Frontier. No. What? No. No. Yeah. no. I have it. I have it on a ship listing. I'll send you the picture. But um, it is, yeah, somebody says in the chat, it's a shuttlecraft. It is definitely in there. No. The shuttle was called the worm, was it? Yup. Really? Yep. No. Mad. Okay. Um, the Liberator, the uh, Constrictor. Uh, let's see what else. Obviously, the Mori Starboat. That was a question that didn't get asked, surprisingly, on the Q&A today. Um, so, yeah, there's there's obviously the Lifter, yeah, and yeah, the Lynx yeah. Bolt Carrier. But actually, the Lynx Bolt Carrier would be a great sort of uh, standard bearer for the ship. Um, was it just a break in space? It was, but, you know, that's... <laughs> It was, but they could obviously sort of flesh that out a little bit, considering what they've got now with the engine. But yeah, so the Lynx Bolt Carrier would be a great sort of standard bearer for um, for the ship's expansion, especially if there were certain missions like escort missions. The Double Decker Orca. The <laughs> Double Decker Orca. Uh, generation is... ship. That's a good shout. Starion liked that a lot. If ships had some sort of generation ship missions in it as well. I, th- I think there's maybe, there is valid gameplay to be had, though, out of something like the Lifter. Um, not just because the lifter is cute and looks like the ship's out of space 1999, although that is the most important reason. Um, but actually, the way the game economy works, even though it doesn't have a hyperdrive, it wouldn't be entirely possible to scratch a living shipping cargo and missions just between systems within a solar system. Could you do it? What about between planets and stations? That's what, that's what I mean. I mean, between different... Because actually, each of the different um, stations, and obviously once planets come out, I presume this will be the same, they all have their own prices for things yeah. on their local markets. So you should be able to make money just flying between one station and another. Which means that something like the Interplanetary Lifter, or the Shuttle, does actually have a viable gameplay attached to it. You could have very boring as well. Yeah, totally. Particularly with the whole passenger transport thing. If that well, particularly with planetary landings, you could dock it at the space station in orbit and they'll tell you to go and do some scientific research on the moon or something like that. Yeah. Or pick up some scrap metal from the moon and take it back to, uh, to that particular station. Yeah, you certainly could do things within the system. Um, okay, so just coming to the end of these questions and then we're going to wrap it up for... Um, episode 30, 30, episode 73, part one. Um, so, are all planets included in planetary landings? So, uh, what they've said here is that all airless planets can be landed on, apart from some that would be locked down with permits. So, it's not just going to be the ones that are going to be in inhabited space. Uh, you will be able to get airless planets all over the galaxy that will be able to land on, but they will be keeping some uh, locked down specifically by permits. Uh, for a reason that they did not announce. Now, I've been thinking about this this afternoon, and I can't think of any gameplay mechanic, uh, apart from maybe Thargoids, that means that you have to lock down a planet and stop people from going there. Have you guys got any ideas on this? Building? Building? Yeah, city building. Diseases? You could be... You could be yeah, yeah, okay. Quarantined? Equally, well, in that same respect, what was it, the the Star Trek, was it the, the fifth, I can't remember what the directive was, that was they wouldn't interfere with any sort of primitive species, and there could be something along those lines where, you know, this is a, a delicate race has been detected on this planet and, and we can't interfere. I quite like directive. Yeah, do you get that in terms of airless planets, though? I mean, could you have ecosystems on airless planets? I got the idea that these were just sort of rocky, rocky moons sort of thing. 
Well, look at the Empire Strikes Back. There was a huge worm living on one of those asteroids. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, okay. It's like every time I watch that, it. I'm thinking, what does it eat? Come it's on. It's a wildlife preserve. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, fair enough. There are uh, there are possible suggestions. Um, okay. Just to wrap it all up, um, they asked Sandy and David what their most exciting. <laughs> what they were most excited about uh, when it came to planetary landing. So Sandy said it's about moment-to-moment gameplay, so driving around in the buggy, making sure that every moment in the buggy is fun, bouncing off craters and yeah, driving fast and actually feeling like you're behind the wheel of something different. Um, David said that uh, he's most excited about driving up to his favourite ship, currently the Asp, as opposed to the Cobra, um, parked in a crater and being able to drive the buggy up to it and sort of explore the exterior of it uh, from the outside with the uh, with the buggy just to put everybody here on the spot starting with ben what's your most exciting thing <laughs> try again what are you looking forward to most about planetary landings i've already said it doing a jump in, in my buggy jumping the grand canyon uh, in your damn buggy. right i know that's gonna be so much fun so you're gonna be evil knievel then are you yep <laughs> jarvis most exciting thing for you uh, I, I've had a persistent thing since I was a child about just being obsessed by vehicles that fit inside other vehicles. So there is a good chance that I will spend my entire time in Horizons just landing a ship, leaving in the SRV, driving around in a loop, getting back into the ship, taking off, landing, getting out in the SRV, driving around in a circle. Because that was just, you know... It's like, trans- it's like playing with a Transformer. You don't actually spend any time playing with it, either as the car or the robot. You just want to spend time changing from one to the other. That's probably <laughs> going to be my thing. Okay. Uh, Lisa? Um, Tazzing around in the Scarab. Okay. So exploring the surface with the buggy uh, yep. stabler. Well, a bit more than that, I guess. Hopefully, you know, these planets aren't just going to be kind of very moon-like. There's going to be things like canyons so Ben can jump them. But, you know, if there's going to be, like, big cave systems or something like that, that would be awesome if I could fly my ship into a big cave or trying to do speed runs through trenches, you know, that would be cool. Would there be any kind of little life forms maybe sucking on your power cables in this big cave? (laughs) I hope not, no. Leave those Minots alone. They're a protected species. Um... Yeah, no, no, that'd be cool because it would be it would be great if um, you know there's a big long trench on a planet somewhere that become, everyone becomes aware of. They say, "Oh, have you seen this? It's really deep and narrow in parts. Let's see who we can do speed runs on it and stuff like that." So I think that could be quite interesting. Okay, Grant. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how variable the different planets are. That's really exciting to see if you get a real you know, sense of a different flavour when you visit a different type of planet. And there's one thing I'm really not looking forward to, is being the first person who's Twitch streaming to go in Super Cruise past the target I wanted to sort of dock at and straight into a landable planet to my death. <laughs> nice, okay. Um, well, I think because I was a child of the 80s, uh, I'm really looking forward to having that sort of um, Top Gun moment where I'm blasting across the surface on my buggy and then obviously one of my wingmen comes through on his Cobra Mark III and just hovers just above me in the buggy uh, and, and flies off as if he was in an F-15 strike eagle or something like they're doing Top Gun. So that's are the you bit gonna, I'm looking forward Are you then going to play some very, very macho uh, beach volleyball? Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm doing. Awesome. 
<laughs> you can be my wingman anytime. <laughs> Okay, what we're going to do, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there, guys. Uh, unless anybody's got anything else that they want to quickly uh, talk over in terms of planetary landings. Um, I've got one, actually, and we'll have to think about it. The uh, the MB4 hasn't been mentioned so far in any of these Q&As. Uh, do you think the MB4 has a place now that we're going to go down onto these planets? Maybe. It has, a, it has a place based on lore, I guess, the fact that, you know, they've had it in previous games. Um, but again, you know they were concerned at one point about players owning equipment and leaving it all over the galaxy and how that's going to work with you know instancing and, and the whole multiplayer thing but I think since then that they have said yeah it's something they want to do eventually so um, that would be cool is, is it too early to speculate first person walking around for holiday season 2016 uh-huh. that's a good shout actually. I think yeah. 2017 but yeah no, I 20, think 2017 will be the season of releases. Uh, okay, right, yeah. Just so I, mean? I think so. Christmas next year for we'll the first Earth. person release, and then throughout the year will be various updates to the first person mode in the same no, way. Oh, next I year think that's too soon. Be various updates to planetary landings. No, I think next year we're going to get. If, well, we might next year we might get Earth-like planets as the next season. And then the season after that, then we'll get FPS. I think. You think you think they're going to go for a whole year's worth of interim releases purely based on non-Earth-like planets? I think so. So I could be wrong, but I think so. I have one thought. You know how uh, they say on the moon, you know Neil Armstrong's footprints are still on there because obviously there's no atmosphere or weather to kind of shift the stuff. I'm wondering if you can get in your dune buggy and create a massive late radio advert, which will then just stay on the planet's <laughs> surface and you can see it from orbit. Uh, only if you first rub out the massive willy I'll have already drawn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, well, let's uh, let's draw that to a close. Uh, this is going to draw to a close uh, part one of this week's podcast. Uh, those that are listening live, if you want to hang around, we're going to start part two in around about 15 minutes. Um, but before we do that, let's do a quick uh, run around in terms of the shout-outs. Ben, who's been flying outside Lave Station with us? Oh, Lummy, everybody's been flying around outside of Lave Station. But we've had Commanders, Enchiv, Melin, Archimnost, Rapid Fire, CPC-464, Nyers... Commander Splints, Alakine, Spike, Enchiv, L. Erickson, Bapster, Yaffa, Commander Wood, Privateer, Baddy Daddy, Wookie, St. Alban, and I hope I've not missed... I've probably missed some people, but I might not have. <laughs> okay, and Grant, what about the uh, what about the people in the chat room? In the IRC chat, because I'm actually on also on the Twitch Okay, you should Twitch then. So I could go through all the different people who are currently in there. There's actually quite a few. Do the IRC while I try and hammer this thing to tell me who's on. Okay, yeah. Well, there's there's us reprobates, and then there is Penguin, Arkinbaus, Armored Meat, Bretzi, Caffincon, Cassius, Commander Babster, Commander Spike, Commander Tea Time, Commander Thane. Come, come on, Ashleen. Well played. Uh, Dobbo, Enshiv, Eron, Fiverr, Fletch, Fozzer. Oh, there you are, down at the bottom. Uh, Gimme, Grand Solo, Harbinger73, Holy Moly, Jintosh, John Stabler. Oh, you're down there as well. Kipple, Lenslark, uh, Mindwipe Morpheus, Muttley, Nylon, Pitstarter, Ripped, 
Rapid Fire, Rat King 15, Salazan, Starion, Bington, One, Voidson, Vonner, Wishblend, and Splint. There we go. Can I Excellent, Grant. It's, it's Van Eeren, which is 21 in French. Oh, okay. Is... He's trying to be pop. Sorry. He's, that's Dave. No. Yeah, I that's, know that's Dave. Van Eeren. Van yes. Uh, Grant, have you got Twitch up? I do indeed. We have. We had 34 commanders, but two of them ran away because they were worried I was going to butcher their names. We are joined again by Selizen, who seems to be putting himself about tonight. Commander Az- Aziron. Commander Major, I my I Mage One, Felix Bast, Gimsec, In Opod, JV twenty five O ten, Cano Magnus, Lazy Dev, Malik seven 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 seven, Mazimus, Max Rusky, Me Mahanan, that's a good name. Michael underline 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 Nonya damn business. <laughs> Parkan, Rat King 15, Slick Reed, Stop Hanger, Streamer 25, Stoops X, Tax Do, and X Kaka X, which might just be Kaka. Could be. Who knows? Okay, and Ben, who did you miss from outside I'm station? very sorry. I, I missed Void Son, otherwise known as the Cowboy Lagrange, otherwise known nice as Carl. Thing. Okay, well, that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com, Facebook forward slash Lave Radio, or at Lave Radio on Twitter. You can join the Skype chat channel by adding Fozzo 101 to your Skype contacts. Or you can join our TeamSpeak server where commanders come and hang out at laveradio.teamspeak3.com. And finally, just to remind you that Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening normally at 8.30pm British Standard Time and streamed at, streamed at laveradio.com forward slash live. Thanks for all those commanders that have joined us this evening and thanks very much for the team in the Orange Sidewinder. Until next time, fly safe and if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Such a shame. It makes other stations sound very lame. That's Lave Radio. Ooh, swing your pants. No, no, Simon, we're not them. We're 
pink custard We cut the mustard We're never flustered We can't be trusted Lave Radio, this song's for you For the orange sidewinder crew Elite Dangerous is what you do And then you talk a lot about it too Lave Radio, ready to play Dio Search for their website and off you go Lave Radio, nothing to pay Dio Sci-fi gamer, DJ fans, this is your show Oh, it's a niche audience then This is Radio Online called Lave With DJs Chris's Alan John But not Dave Forever surfing internet airwaves That's Lave Radio It's a podcast that's based on a game Not to listen would be such a shame It makes other stations sound very lame That's Lave Radio Lave Radio Lave Radio Lave Radio Lave Radio Is this, are you sure it's Lave? Yeah, Lave Radio Love radio. Well, I well, know we all love Lave radio. No, but it's not live radio. Oh, well, it, it, I don't know whether it's live or, or li- Lave, li- live, Lave, Lave, Lave radio, live, and we love it. 